What's up, Dune fans? Welcome back to the Do Not Enter podcast, where today we use water and spice to find a missing package. I'm your host, Humphrey Shu, and joining me are my friends and co-hosts, Fillmore John. Hey, guys. And Nolan Zhang. Hey, guys. It's been a while. It has been a while. So uh, we've been recording episodes in advance. So it's actually been a few weeks since we've recorded. <laughs> um, Nolan has been having the time of his life out there in California. Yeah, so, Cali guys. Yeah, wanna so wanna good. wanna get us up to date on what's been happening. Uh, so I had the USC Beauvoir Scholars program. It just ended yesterday. I flew back into Houston just yeah. like around like I what four forty ish last night. I mean, la- no, not last night, but yesterday evening. Mm-hmm. It was. It was good. I stayed up till four o'clock the night before um, <laughs> watching movies and cleaning up the dorm. And wow. I woke up really early to say goodbye to some people. Wow. That was very nice because I have a lot of friends now who are all across the nation. And hopefully I'm able to keep in touch with all of them throughout my senior year and hopefully meet them in college, you know? Yeah, yeah that sounds really fun, actually. So you stayed up until 4 a.m. just chilling? Uh, Well, usually we usually like end our RA meeting we could like we have a residential advisor meeting at 10 o'clock we usually end around 11 but this time because we wanted to do more we went on to like 12 o'clock and then we ordered pizza at like at 12 o'clock that, yeah i know it was like who's open at this time wait and pizza, was, like, did you guys yeah, get an domino's allowance open guys yeah yeah domino's guys um we were able to um i guess we didn't sneak it in but the ra's got it for us because they were oh. really nice and then it came out like two o'clock <laughs> and then we watched project x at like two o'clock and then it went up to like 3 30 and then yeah and i finished cleaning up my dorm around four ish that was that was good oh my wow. wait is that the latest you've ever been up yeah that's the latest i've ever been up i've Time never been up to you're still like casual bro I, the <laughs> hey, latest i've been up is like 5 30 a.m yeah i was gonna stay me. up further but i was scared that like if i was gonna fall asleep at the airport it'd be bad if i could have yeah that's like true, that's not a good true. idea i mean i I think I've stayed till like three something, but yeah. Dude, three is my normal bedtime. <laughs> that's no, not good. That's not that's good. That's so bad for your health. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, though. Oh wow, yeah. it's been a crazy, pretty hectic three weeks, right? So that's mm-hmm. yeah, that sounds great. Guys, there's no mosquitoes in California. I don't know. I'm I know, swatting I out noticed. a mosquito right now. <laughs> yeah, I noticed, and you know, coming back to Houston with this humidity and and everything is, mm-hmm. it's something to take in. <laughs> yeah. For sure yeah for sure well yeah very cool Fillmore what have you been doing recently so over the past three weeks I've been different places for volunteering I volunteered at a church for well hours in NHS but I also went to this uh camp for volunteering it's to help people with disabilities wow and there we just hang out with those people and it's a it's an opportunity that they don't really have most of the time because I guess in terms of societal activity they don't really have much yeah so it's a way for them to fit in and it's really an experience experience like no other Mm -hmm. i know yeah it's very valuable time spent with them it is right especially because you know these disabled people a lot of times like can't you know can't do like a lot of the normal activities so it's like being able to kind of help them do a lot of things is really fulfilling yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the people you meet, like young people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the people you meet there are just they're all so nice. Yeah. Everyone's just really willing to help. And that's really cool. Yeah. You know, it's honestly, a, I would go there even if I didn't get any hours. Like I would just yeah. go there. Yeah, because you know, it's like meeting the people and yeah, it's mm-hmm. just being around those people make you want to, you know, contribute to, to society. Yeah. Right, right. Very, okay. very epic. Yeah. Well, how was your past three weeks? 
Um, I haven't really been doing much. I've been working at a small summer camp, like for like Ooh, coaching nice. tennis. Um, yeah, mainly, yeah, just get paid a little, go go outside, you know, <laughs> go in the <laughs> sweltering heat, hundred degrees. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's like yeah, every I day. Die in that. Yeah, recently, I'm still waiting. yeah. Yeah, I'm still waiting for my job to start. So you're lucky. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, it, it's like the normal temperatures were like 105 for like two weeks. Yeah, so I then, saw some of my uh, friends were playing tennis while I was at USC, and there was like 115 going out for tennis. I was like, oh, okay, oh yeah, it feels job. like 115. Yeah, I remember that. That was, that was an experience. But actually, today I just went to a speedcubing competition where I did Ooh. rather well. Um, so that was nice. fun because I haven't been to one in a about two and a half years and uh, i improved my average about five seconds so oh nice. dang that's that. good yeah. wait which which one did you participate in three by three four by um, four i did um two by two three by three four by four three by three one-handed and skew oh, wow so, one-handed yeah i have a <laughs> i have some videos i can send to you later it's actually pretty cool i think one-handed yeah. is it's it's a fun event except for it makes my hands cramp a lot wait, so yeah. what was your average like 10 seconds uh yeah i average, averaged 1135 um, oh my god and i had a like a like a 9.72 individual solve so i was really Dang. happy with that that's really good normally i get like uh, a nine solve and like one in out uh, of 200 solves so <laughs> i that's was really happy it happened free. happened with nerves and and during <laughs> competition so that was yeah. a really fun experience but now i'm exhausted so Hopefully I can make it through this episode. Anyways, cool. So yeah, so it's been a really crazy three weeks, but we're glad to have uh, have the opportunity to be back here and you know continue discussing Dune. So this episode, we will be diving into the second half of chapter 27. Uh, we will start at the words, the kind that don't attract the worms, right? So it's Jessica talking about, uh, or is it Paul? I don't remember. That's talking about the movement through the desert. So there is no epigraph. But we will do our quote section. So if, yeah, just to remind us and also remind all of our listeners, we do the quote section at the beginning of the episode now um, so that we can discuss it later. So Fillmore, as usual, mm-hmm. you have the first quote. Okay. As for my quote, I chose. But there's desperation in the people of this desert, she thought. I felt some of it myself today. Desperate people might kill us for our water. Yeah. Mm. Desperate <laughs> times lead to desperate measures. Yeah. Yep. So uh-huh. cool. All right. My quote was, in the Bene Gesser way she had taught him, Paul stilled the savage beating of his heart, set his mind as a blank slate upon which the past few moments could write themselves. Every partial shift and twist of the slide replayed itself in his memory, moving with an interior stateliness that contrasted with the fractional second of real time required for the total recall. Dang, Paul make a good referee. Yeah, I know. He can, <laughs> he can do the instant replay in his head. Yeah. I know. Yeah, just give me a moment. It was out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. My quote is, she nodded, continuing to stare across the desert. Where the warm had passed, there remained a tantalizing gap. It flowed bitterly, endless before them, beckoning beneath its horizontal collapse of skyline. Uh, Yeah, that's just imagery at its finest. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've missed, you know, reading all of these beautiful words. I know. I held off as I sat on the plane. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Alrighty. Um, yeah, so those are some teaser quotes, but now we'll dive into the the bulk of the chapter. So, mm-hmm. Nolan, um, go ahead. Okay, so remember the Frem Kit that was left behind, and they finally dug it out. So, the Frem Kit manual, I wonder, the reason, why was it so important to them? Because Paul kept mentioning that he, like, had mysterious allusions to thumpers and maker hooks in it. 
So I was just wondering, like, do you think the Fremen actually put like the tutorial on like how to traverse across the sands inside their manual in like the whole non-rhythmic manner that Pawn just called theory crafting? Yeah, I think so. I'm sure they've left some sort of information as to like why they have to move in a certain manner for the worms to not notice them. What about you, Humphrey? I mean, I think especially since we know that the Bene Gesserit have like this really fine control over their muscles and their bodies. And at the end, you know, Jessica's talking about and training the musculature or something. Uh, I think they can likely control themselves when walking better than the average person. So they can right. probably start and stop and have their more in tune, you know, with their movement, I think. Yeah. So like the thing is, if we're going to come on this assumption, now the question is who has this knowledge? Because if that is the case, now it's definitely not the Harkonnens, nor the Atreides, nor the Sardaukar, because these people can't like are scared of the open desert. And they believe that nobody lives out there. However, I feel like it also doesn't include a city and a town dwelling Fremen, or else there's no way the knowledge wouldn't have leaked out to the other people because information obviously would have been tortured out of them a long time ago in the centuries that the planet has been colonized. Yeah, I think I agree with that statement as well, but. Even if they did know this information, I, I think that not many people would be successful in executing these random steps. Yeah. Because it's more difficult than you would think. Yeah. That's true. And yeah, also like, since sorry, like Paul ahead. already knows the ways of the Fremen, he's able to imitate their style of walking perfectly. And well, right. Jessica is also a skilled Bene Gesserit and Paul is there to guide her. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, if you don't realize, like, try holding your hand out or like holding your finger out and. Like you like there's like minuscule tremors like you like can't keep your hand like steady so yeah. imagine imagine you know having to keep yourself perfectly steady when moving uh to as to not you know attract the worms and cause weird vibrations so I, I think that's like as you said you know not just any average joe can execute execute this type of maneuver i think so right um yeah so, so it's like a trade by necessity yeah right so <laughs> i mean the the bene gesture are really good at you know knowing exactly what they're doing um <laughs> so yeah so on this topic of the warm sensing vibrations i believe the worms are able to sense i guess uh irregular vibrations because suspensors and like other mechanical things aren't really common in the desert so I'm guessing that like the mechanical stuff within them causes too much like regular noise and vibrations created because it needs to be consistent in order for it to function, right? So I feel mm -hmm. like those things aren't able to function due right. to the regularity of their projection of like their yeah. vibration. I think yeah. so as well because well, as far as I can tell, worms don't have eyes and they probably get around through vibrations in the ground, like moles or something. Yeah, I mean, he also, Paul mentioned that they could plant something called a thumper and occupy the worm, which, I mean, by its name, I think it's just thumping on the ground, right? Mm -hmm. That's yeah, yeah so it caused some caused some weird vibrations. And, and of course, he says plant it because, of course, they're trying to attract the worm. Um, the worm, you know, feels these vibrations and thinks, you know, oh, there's humans here, right? Do y'all yeah. think like the thumper has any other practical purpose that would like hide it from the Harkonnens from like thinking that's for worms? Um, I can't think of any other purpose off the top of my head, but it's I mean, as with any you know Fremen tool, I'm sure it's multi-purposed. Like, yeah, yeah, I feel like yeah. for me, I think it's like a maybe like a you know how they talked about sand slides this time. So I was thinking maybe yeah. it could clear like loose sand around the area perhaps i, I mean oh. it could it could help maybe test for you know loose sand nearby like those tidal dust basins or drum sands or something mm -hmm. that we saw before i'm not sure yeah, yeah. maybe kind of, maybe they yeah. use it to hunt the worms even 
<laughs> perhaps. Ooh. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, attract the worms as it's like bait. Hmm. Never yeah. thought of that. Yeah, and, but I mean, it's hard enough to hunt a worm, even if it was sitting yeah, there. Yeah, right. if it was coming at you, individually like shock the... each ring, right? And that's right. That's a uh, good that's, look at that. Yeah, easier said than done. You have to get it out of the ground as well to shock each of the rings on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no way, not possible, guys. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, so on the topic of sand slides. I still can't decide like what creates hot like soft sand versus hard sand. Is it like pressure? I know that's like pressure, right, to make sandstone. Mm-hmm. But does that mean hard sand is just like sand's been left behind for long periods of time, and the other sand eventually covered it over, creating like a more compact piece of sand? I don't know. I think you're absolutely correct because sandstone is formed when grains of sand are compacted and cemented together over thousands or millions of years, mm-hmm. or at least according to Google, that's what it said. But. Mm-hmm. That's- you know, I only searched that up because I played Minecraft. And I was like sandstone. I don't know if that's even a thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're like you're digging in sand and they hit sandstone, and then yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess I would ex- you would expect to see sandstone in like yeah, a desert. Yeah, obviously, I mean, it's compacted, like, especially with the weight of the sand on top. You know, if you dig a little, you probably hit stone. Yeah, yeah. So, but not even like in a desert. I feel like you could see sandstone in a beach. Hmm. Um, I- it was Nunga Santa Monica, just saying. <laughs> yeah, well, you're yeah. the most recent builder, <laughs> so you you have the most expertise. So we'll trust you on that one, <laughs> right? Well, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I'm just saying. Yeah, I don't know. Right. That's really interesting, though. If any of y'all know, or like you know, a geologist, you know, may have yeah. formed us, you know, guys. yeah, none of yeah. us are experts. We're just putting out our opinion. Yeah, I mean, I didn't pay attention to sixth grade geology class, so <laughs> but and know. and you know, we're there's a lot of you know geology in this book, so and especially in this chapter, um, so yeah, so a if anyone has any ideas, yeah. <laughs> oh, so initially when I was reading this book, I had no, I, I couldn't conceptualize. What it meant to be like, why was it so hard for them to walk on sand? Why would they even encounter this thing called like sand slides, you know? Because I was like, I mean, how slippery or soft can sand be? But like I was saying, I was at the beach this three weeks at Santa Monica. And I was also at other, not beaches, but like we have volleyball courts at USD. And there was like beach volleyballs, so there was sand on it. So I now know how shifty sand could be. Because when I was trying to play beach volleyball, I jumped. And I was like, wait a second. I'm not really jumping, you know? Because yeah. every time I play down like the sandwich just actually dropped with me and i would just like lose a bunch of height in my jump mm-hmm. yeah it kind of sucks you in when you're jumping right mm-hmm. yeah. just, it was hard to move in sand it's like, because it, it is always, yeah i tried to play soccer on sand once and like i oh, couldn't yeah. get to the ball yeah i can't imagine i don't know that's Anyways, uh, it was hard yeah yeah it's it's like loose you know it doesn't give a good grip and also like you said you know newton's third law when you push down you know it like yeah, yeah it goes down and So I, so I would assume like when you mention sand slides, I would assume them to be similar to like an avalanche, except with sand, because that's what I had in mind. In my, from what I know, sand and snow are actually quite similar Mm -hmm. in how they work, I guess. Yeah, because they're both made from fine particles, and you can ride a sled down both of them. And well, you get my point. Yeah, I mean, true. They should just sled down this entire like. (laughs) They should just have sleds in Doom. Honestly, yeah, they have yeah, this inflatable attract- sled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's not in a frame kit, right? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I'm no desert expert, but I would say the sand in this desert is like kind of irregular because the bottom of the slope, uh, Paul describes it as packed sand, but clearly the slope itself is very loose and not mm-hmm. really stable. Yeah. So, I mean, we also, again, like 
the tidal dust basins and drum sands. So, I mean, there's a lot of irregularities in, in, in this desert. In yeah. I don't really know how it works. Yeah. I've never been uh, in like an actual desert for like long periods of time to see any of this like, depth in the sand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So very cool. So here's my quote, um, which I will read again. Uh, in the Bene Gesserit way, she had taught him, Paul stilled the savage beating of his heart, set his mind as a blank slate upon which the past few moments could write themselves. Every partial shift and twist of the slide replayed itself in his memory, moving with an interior stateliness that contrasted with the fractional second of real time required for the total recall. Cool. Mm. So, yeah. so I really love this because it's, of, again, it's a really vivid portrayal and description of exactly the process a band gesture goes to to calm themselves in these crisis situations, right? Because I'm somewhat convinced a bunch of the the band gesture powers really just come from some form of meditation. Because I yeah. saw, you know, I saw the blank slate concept. I think in you know in the Heronin cycle books, and also there's a lot of the times, you know, your mind is a blank slate. That's just a meditative technique. Yeah. Um, common metaphor or something yeah it is yeah i mean i feel like i've seen it so many times but it's also kind of crazy how paul's mind can replay the ability like his ability to replay these events in such clarity even though he was in a like a panicked mindset so i'm not sure whether this is a manifestation of his benedictine abilities or is it some form of his newly founded quizot's hot rock abilities or mental abilities yeah yeah so i don't know because I don't know the extent of a Mentat's computation to be able to instant replay <laughs> everything that just happened, right? I know in some like books and shows, like sci-fi ones, in the future, some people are able to like record stuff in their brain, like whatever they see through their eyes, they can like replay it eventually. But I'm not sure, like like you were saying, is a Mentat or is a Bene Gesserit? Because I know Mentats are slightly computerish, so mm -hmm. you can't tell if that's more from the Mentat side or if it's just from like Bene Gesserit side of like accessing like super super like like present memory you know what i mean like he's just there yeah. and he memorized every single part of it or if it's like he actually can replay it. i can't tell which part it more is mm -hmm. i would i think you can replay it because mentats are basically computers yeah so yeah. Like, it's yeah. like a hard drive in his brain i don't know i don't think it's similar to a photographic memory because i think photographic memories are more like feelings and like knowing I guess I don't know. Really? Oh my god! When, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure how photographic memory works because I don't have one. But like, Nancy Drew moment, guys. It's obviously not gonna be as like accurate as a computer because computers are pure fact. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, again, I'm not a dedic, but it's like, yeah, I, I, I can't really see that that Paul just you know remembers everything. I think it's just more him, kind of seeing the details and being able to put like different pieces together in the scenario rather than you know memorizing oh the color of this grain of sand <laughs> is uh you know rgb whatever hex value <laughs> right it's just i don't think that's what he's trying to do yeah um, yeah so it's not yeah, so he literally like yeah. calculated where jessica is gonna end up by like re yeah. replaying this uh like sand falling through the air mm -hmm. yeah it's right. just like, crazy yeah it's just like a lot of times you know memory is more about remember the important things and not about every single detail and yeah i think paul you know is only his his mind like naturally keeps track of the the important things yeah so it's really not as much data as we would expect probably <laughs> so i guess when paul found jessica he found her in what, he, what uh, was described as the what the bindu state or yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. like in the in, in the bindu suspension so 
it was, let me just read a quote that he basically does. So it says, gently he lowered her to the sand, uttered the word to bring her out of the catalepsis. So I searched up what catalepsis means because it was like big word moment, guys. I know, yeah. <laughs> so it was like a trance-like state marked by loss of voluntary motion in which the limbs remain in whatever position they're mm-hmm. placed. Yeah, I mean, it reminds so, me of catatonia. Like the, I yeah, saw that, yeah. Yeah, it's that's like some something. We I have no idea class. what that is. It's like it's like the the rubber person where if you if you move their hand like if you move their hand their hand will stay there but they're not like voluntary or if but even if you could like bend them into awkward positions but they'd still not move uh yeah yeah so it's weird so yeah i think what i find most weird about the fact that this word is here is just that like could the power of like Paul really just like release someone from like this bindu state of suspension just by a singular word because it's like is it like a predetermined word so like anybody saying the word would be will work because it's like a pretty like widespread benedictine training thing or do you think it's something more personal where like he and Jessica agreed on like this one word to like set them free from the bindu suspension like a safe word yeah like a safe word that's what I was thinking. Mm. Well, I think it's probably something learned from the Bene Gesserit school because, well, they went through the same training, and mm-hmm. I don't know why the author wouldn't reveal it if it's personal. Like, yeah. that's true. It'd be more impactful as personal. Mm-hmm. I realize. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think I think it's probably part of the training. It's probably pretty hard to to code that word into someone's mind. Um, yeah. So I don't really see a way, especially you know the Bene Gesserit stick together. I don't think you know Jessica will want. If if some random benedictor found Jessica wanted to save her, you know, can't wake her up because she doesn't know the word, then that's uh that would be pretty unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, but I again I think this bindu suspension is another manifestation of the self mastery that the benedictor have. I mean, they can even control their involuntary state, let alone their voluntary movements, which is what we talked about earlier. Um, and I imagine this is kind of like a, a sleep-like state, you know, except for there's like yeah. a trigger word to wake up. Right. So, yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I think when she, when it says like, is this the way you were taught when Paul was like being really deprecating about, I guess, the world, right? I guess mm-hmm. about like what happened to them, their fate. Is it like, I can't tell if she's referring to a trades training where he's like, obviously as the heir, you got to like, be like like lead strong you know or else like the people won't follow you or if he's referring to Bene Gesserit training of like that isn't really like how Bene Gesserit think because otherwise there'd be no logical way to like I guess assess stuff if you just give up right like you mm-hmm. must try everything before you give up even if it was like a one percent chance of surviving I don't know mm-hmm. yeah so are you asking whether it's Bene Gesserit or Menta or both oh uh, I wonder if it's like Atreides, Bene Gesserit, Mentat, or like all. I don't know. Okay, so honestly, whenever they mention training, I usually assume all of the training that he's received, unless sure. they point out a specific one. Which, mm-hmm. But, um, well, it's like, because obviously it's the variety of training that he's received that's keeping them alive, not just his Bene Gesserit mm-hmm. training. Right. But I feel like in this case, she's probably referring to his Bene Gesserit training because, well, it's his mother saying it to him. Oh, okay, yeah, in the context of that, yeah, probably. I believe it's Bene Gesserit training because Bene Gesserit training is the one that's most closely akin to not panicking under high pressure. And, right. Uh, controlling and, your emotions, especially. Yeah, right, and that's kind of what 
you know, Jessica's kind of hinting at here because we know Mentats can't really control their emotions, you know, case in point through fear and pitter, right? Uh, so um, I don't think it's that. I mean, Atreides, I don't think it's really power. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think that Atreides training is more like just fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Also kind of lineage and, you know, people skills and all of that. But I think yeah. here, you know, self-mastery, I think, if you wanted to put Ben Jester into two words, right? Because mm-hmm. Benadjuster is more with emotions, while Mentat is more with analysis. Yep. Okay, so now we get to the part where Paul is trying to dig the Frem kit out of the sand. So he was trying this weird, like, he described it as what? Alkali and yeah. acid creates foam, right? So for all the chemistry majors out here, could y'all like explain this to me? Because I cannot, I don't understand why, like, the alkali element plus the acid element equals foam. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm no chemistry major, but well, my guess is that the mixture heats up and creates bubbles, which in turn turns into foam. Correct yeah, me well, if I'm wrong, though. I would love to find out the yeah, truth. That's yeah. the thing. I thought it would like create like some heated mixture, right? But then J- Jessica's like in that mixture. Yeah, she's you know literally just shoving her hand in there. I was like, I was what? Like, is she burning? I, I, like, I don't know. Like, I don't understand what's going on. Maybe, <laughs> maybe when it turns into fo- foam, it means that it's cooled down maybe mm-hmm. i don't know you mean like when like the when it creates a precipitate or something i don't really know. yeah yeah probably i mean i don't again i don't yeah, know none of us are chemistry chem- <laughs> none of us have even taken ap chem so it's not yeah <laughs> i don't think they even teach that in ap chem uh maybe i don't know i'll you know in in a lab when teacher's not looking i'll make sure to mix some alkaline acid oh, yeah. and let you guys know what you know, side story. I read a, I read a, um, a pretty funny ISS speed run any percent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, pretty close. I read a, um, I read an online story about some guy who got rejected from every single school, and they got waitlist at the California Institute of Technology, and then got accepted oh. off the waitlist, which was really cool. But what was weird about his application was he was some chemistry geek, but he almost mm-hmm. blew up his school by like <laughs> by you know doing something wrong in lab, and he got suspended for it. <laughs> and then yeah, that's why all the schools rejected him they didn't yeah want to probably criminal. probably but the but the funnier thing is like his his chemistry teacher was super supportive of him and like wrote a recommendation letter explaining what happened well so here's why, the thing yeah. we did a case study on this so we had a case study where a bunch of like emissions office from like nyu northwestern columbia i had a northwestern and uh and uh nyu person in my in my zoom room but they basically we read one where it's like also on like disciplinary measures mm-hmm. and even though like all the teachers cite that like the disciplinary measures shouldn't affect the application just because of how much word count is wasted on like reassuring them and bringing it up it just like takes away from the experience that all you're left with is like that the kid had disciplinary measures so it's better that i just never showed up in the first place honestly yeah wait so iss isss don't matter uh, no, they they, they matter. matter a lot. Yeah, a they lot. matter. Yeah, quite if, contrary. Like even if your counselor mentions that it didn't matter to like your application, the school is gonna read it and be like, "Oh, you had an ISS." And even though the counselor is trying to fix it, they're just wasting words on the mm-hmm. ISS and not actually like emphasizing a good part about you. Yeah, yeah. yeah that so, makes sense. so in other words, don't, don't get, get in trouble. Sus- at don't school. get suspended. All right. <laughs> back don't get to in our, trouble. Yeah, back, back to well. our. Back to our chemistry bit, but yeah. So I mean, again, I don't really know. That would be that's very interesting. I might Google it later. We can you know do a chemistry experiment, see what happens. Yeah, I don't wonder if you could like purchase like if I could just crack open a car battery and just like, try this. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't want to die, Nolan. You can yeah, try that. On don't your own. don't one of you guys want to do mechanical engineering? Which one? Uh, <laughs> that's Nolan. That's Nolan. Yeah, I'm gonna be messing with something. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't like 
hopefully it doesn't heat up you know <laughs> don't let it blow up yeah I, <laughs> I prefer nolan um in one piece instead of yes intact. not in two piece yeah <laughs> oh you know one piece could stretch just saying yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so now that paul is doing this whole chemistry experiment you know the third ingredient that you need is water the most precious ingredient of all of iraq is yep so when he cracked open his steel suit and spit out that nice little water, I have no clue how all the animals in the vicinity, especially like the hawks, just like sensed it. Like, is there like a different smell to water being in the air, or is it just like the shine of water? I don't understand how like hawks could just tell when there's water nearby from so far away. Mm-hmm. They have like a radar. I know. Yeah. Okay. So uh, maybe they're just sensitive to a slight change in moisture, or maybe they even have infrared vision, so they can see temperature differences. Who knows? I don't know. I'm I'm not sure they actually sensed it. I mean, I feel like, I mean, there's that saying "hawk-eyed," and I think it's for a reason. I feel like the hawks probably just flew high and saw like the reflective sheen of the water or something. But sand is also pretty reflective. So how would they tell the difference? Um, I mean, they're hawks and they have better vision, I guess. I guess that's fair. That's they have 40-40 vision. Yeah, (laughs) so I don't know. I mean, they could probably do like two times magnification or something and just just see. Yeah, but I mean, I'd bet that they just saw it. So it's just adding the dramatic effect. Yeah. Well, these animals have survived in the Arakian desert for a reason. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So now for the weird part of how deep the hole actually was, they said like what three meters. So from for those of us on the customary system, I had to like translate it because I don't really understand meters. I'm so sorry, guys. I know like a meter is like a yard. So when you translate it, I did this on Google. So I was at me. It was about ten-ish feet, a little bit under. So to me, it's kind of crazy to think that Jessica and Paul were digging almost ten feet into the ground. Right? That means Jessica's in the sand, literally. You know. Mm-hmm. So. I don't understand how they're just like, first of all, how did she stretch her arm 10 feet? So that means she had to be in the hole. And how did they have enough foam to like reinforce a Jessica sized like hole, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, I don't think she was stretching her arms 10 feet. <laughs> yeah. She just rubber <laughs> arm extension. Yeah. She's a rubber man. Yeah, she <laughs> took extension of her arm to a whole new level. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking that they were already inside the hole, like you said digging uh-huh. themselves down instead of digging from above and yeah. maybe paul is on the surface but not jessica yeah i think yeah. paul's kind of you know spraying the yeah. foam yeah mm-hmm. and also i would assume that the hole is large enough to fit two people because i think at a certain point both paul and jessica were inside of it mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i mean it reminds me of some like youtube video i saw where i saw where two guys spent a whole day at the beach digging a hole with shovels <laughs> but they only dug a hole as deep as deep as they were like tight maybe like one one foot extra or something so maybe like seven feet deep i think it's harder to dig at a beach though because i mean it's more packed. Like the water keeps flooding in yeah, yeah it, it is more really it's more packed but then again these guys have shovels you know and and everything yeah, so that is true so i mean but it's basically just like to put it in context i mean the sand must be pretty loose if they can dig a hole this deep and this big in this short of an amount of time i think yeah they with their hands how do you even dig a hole in the well sand i mean they do have superhuman hands. strength to be fair true especially paul i think right yeah. yeah so but i also think i like yeah i compared this type of sand to more like powder snow as well because like, okay. i think it's super fine especially if any like little tremor or anything would cause like a whole sand slide oh okay i can imagine that yeah so i mean it must be easy to dig it's kind of the point yeah uh-huh. 
and the threat that you like destabilize yourself and like bury yourself in the sand. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, that sounds like a terrible death being buried. Like, I don't alive understand in the sand, how they're yeah. staying on top of the sand right now. Because I stood on sand at the beach, I kept sinking. <laughs> death well, I'm sure the still suit has like a thing that allows them to stand on sand better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just like uh... yeah, Jessica suffocated in a wall. <laughs> yeah, for well, all those trying to escape Harkonnen. Yeah, for all those who get the reference. Yeah. Anyway, just strap those tennis rackets to the bottom of their feet. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So after they, chemistry. after they basically like flipped out and did all this chemistry, and then they got this little frame kit back out, they were laughing. So I think I know we were talking a lot about how Paul, after his mental abilities. Kind of lost a bit of emotion but at least at this point in time we know that paul isn't entirely emotionless and he can still laugh you know so he can still enjoy life even if this little dark the reason so i'm just happy to see paul like smiling and laughing right now yeah i think laughing it off is good to move on from the terror of what could have happened yeah jessica could have got trapped in the sand along with the pack or they could have lost the pack forever yeah. Either way, they were dead. <laughs> and, yeah. And especially, you know, being able to laugh at yourself and find humor in the dark situation is a really good trait to have, I think. It's yeah. a good coping method. It is, because a lot of people just sink further and further, you know, into their Just make own. sure you don't laugh when you listen to your friend telling you, like, a very sad thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> obviously. You yeah. gotta know when to laugh. Yeah, Nolan, laugh. Nolan broke up with his girlfriend, starts laughing maniac, maniacally. <laughs> I, would, I would laugh at that. That's funny as hell. What do you mean? <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, yeah. I mean, it's funny, because if no, it, it's funny because if Nolan broke up, he would get a new girlfriend, like, tomorrow. Yeah, so. I would be Whoa. your new girlfriend. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Y'all, Anyways. Y'all. <laughs> okay very off topic yeah uh, God, it's, been, it's been a while guys podcast. yeah it's been a while guys yeah uh, yeah but i don't know i kind of want to take a moment and reflect on herbert's purpose of adding this whole situation because i feel like at first glance it kind of seems out of nowhere because he could have easily continued to write about their journey across the desert you know evading this drum sand evading that tidal dust basin but he instead kind of wrote this kind of again out of nowhere problem that Paul was caused so to start I guess my best guess is that he wants to continue to world build with these kind of conflicts to get us more familiar maybe with the rocky landscape uh, with the deserts the atmosphere and also with our characters Paul and Jessica and especially probably like the skills that the Bene Gesser have yeah so, we learned so much about that I know so it's it's more of an educational experience for the reader I feel like than it is for Paul and Jessica as character for character development, I feel like it's more, you know, to kind of tell us yeah to about make this conflict a little mm-hmm. bit right. yeah and also add a little bit of drama I suppose you know it I gets your heart you racing yeah. even though you know at the end you know you you know that it's all's gonna be well you know it's yeah. kind of weird because all is well at the end you know nothing yeah nothing changed basically they just had a extra fancy slide down the slope right yeah they <laughs> um, lost a little bit of water but yeah i mean that's negligible considering you know they have a lot but yeah so interesting um but yeah what do y'all think yeah I mean, looking at it we learned a lot about the sands and all like the different the fact that there was like batteries and stuff inside the frame kit but then also just like how paul and jessica are able to work together as a team and paul was able to use like these newfound powers so yeah it's more of i feel like it highlighted more stuff about the surroundings about the characters rather than actually provide like a real like i mean it was a real like situation yeah but it wasn't like real like conflict in my opinion 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, again, it's just, you know, for Herbert to, to add some drama and also to educate the reader, I think, is more of the yeah. purpose than actually, you know, making Paul go Different through, dive. undergo some major character change because... You know, and I feel like this isn't the first type of this type of conflict that we've seen. Yeah, I yeah. think it's a good setup, like just a yeah. sly way about going about such like what could have been stated in a very obvious thing. Yeah, but I mean, it's you know, it's he's kind of not flexing his writing skills, not flexing as in bragging, but kind of you know, kind of exercising you know a what, bit guys? and testing his boundaries. Kind of, I feel. I'm gonna put this in my. I want to like take this lesson in my personal statement and just like not say what I'm actually trying to say. <laughs> Okay. Well, I mean, who knows? It may it may come into play later because it's sometimes it's small details like this that yeah, that's kind of, that they use in like a big brain play. Yeah, maybe they again butterfly effect like one one drop of water that they need later, but they don't have because Paul, you know, had to mm-hmm. use it here. A tsunami on Japan was caused yeah. by Paul spitting that water through his. <laughs> through <the laughs> yeah, you know, little things have the biggest effects. Yeah, <laughs> that's what okay. she said. Oh, no. Okay, no, guys. It's all about a personality. We all know that by now. Yep. I <laughs> okay. Nolan would know that. For sure. <laughs> hey, yo, you just exposed <laughs> him. Oh, oh, okay. okay, let's get back to this book. So Paul and Jessica are just like walking around now in this little rock basin that they found. And they're just like, oh my gosh, a saguaro. I'm guessing it's a t- cactus breed, right? Yep. And I was like, yes, this feels like a Fremen place. So it's just like, <laughs> they saw like some Cactus, I'm like, yes, it feels like a Fremen place. I don't know. Like, I don't understand how Paul got to that conclusion. And Paul hey. just feels like the whole desert is the Fremen place, you know? That's know. just that's how I think of it anyways. It's just yeah, that's, desert like, Fremen synonymous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. But, like, let's talk about these oil-based binoculars that they're using right now. Like, I don't understand how it yeah. works. I understand why it's oil instead of water because it evaporates. But, like, don't they have enough technology to make, like, current day like binoculars where there's multiple lenses to refract and reflect i don't understand like, why do they need oil well i feel like glass would just melt or warp in the heat so they use oil instead mm-hmm. otherwise i don't really understand why they would use oil instead of glass yeah i yeah. mean more mechanical engineering here so i don't know yeah but i mean it's especially suspicious considering the fremen are like a pretty advanced civilization so and you know sand is just he- i mean glass is just heated sand so i mean yeah there's glass all around them yeah, they can't they can't i mean if they don't have water they can start fires right so yeah i mean please like, where I mean, they yeah. get this oil from guys <laughs> yeah true or they, do they have oil rigs sitting in the desert <laughs> maybe it's spice oil i don't know maybe yeah, i was thinking more of this like canola oil the yellow type is like gasoline okay, okay. oh yeah because like yeah, gasoline can't like, see out of it you know like pet- petrol right <laughs> yeah. i mean good dead plankton that we you know use yeah. in the cars <laughs> okay i didn't see that well if any of you viewers have the answer to this please feel to feel, feel free to contact us yeah, yeah sure guys, email. one of y'all just like you know get a cylinder yeah glass, like put some oil in it and see if we could actually see further with it mm-hmm. i don't know yeah please yeah. explain that to us we would appreciate it. especially everything we we need a lot of explaining this chapter because we're you know slightly confused at all of these uh science stuff um so, I'll be yeah. back in four years, guys, with a mechanical engineering degree. Yeah, we'll we'll update this in four years. You know, it's us <laughs> from the future. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have a PhD in chemistry and physics now. Sure. <laughs> yeah, just to analyze this scene. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're we're dedicated, guys. We're dedicated. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, so there's also some pretty stunning imagery on 
at least on our PDF, it's on page 254. And it goes, she turned, seeing that Paul had the tent up, its rib dome hemisphere blending with the rock walls of the fissure. Paul stepped past her, lifting his binoculars. He adjusted their internal pressure with a quick twist, focused the oil lenses on the other cliff, lifting golden tan in morning light across open sand. Mm-hmm. Jessica watched as he studied that apocalyptic landscape, his eyes probing into sand rivers and canyons. I, I really can't help but appreciate the dialect used to describe this alien landscape. I know, I love it. I mean, it's another example of Herbert's kind of mastery over language, right? Because you can just imagine the sun rising and wiping away, you know, this whole fiasco that happened that night and... It symbolizes another new day so that they can kind of move on from the horrors of the night and, you know, what just happened because well, I mean, Paul was... Nothing ever survives. Yeah, <laughs> the, Paul was scared the, out of his wits there for a while. And yeah. With the sun, it's it kind like of, yeah. pause, like a nice, like, break from everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like how he described it as golden tan, though. Cause That's true. Just, yeah. Just like, maybe I've never really seen golden tan, but... Just the way he described it, you can just like imagine. Yeah, the sun reflecting off the sands and creating this aura, you know. I feel like it's just, it's very refreshing. Breath of fresh air after. Actually, uh, yeah, while I was in California, I met a girl who lived in like a desert town. And I was like, where do you even live? And she was like, in a small town in the desert. And I mean, not to say that was bad or anything, but she showed me like this picture of her town. Mm-hmm. And then like she said that it was really pretty, like the surroundings. So she showed me like this. I'm not, I think it was like a, picture of like a sunrise or sun it was a sunrise so mm-hmm. it was actually probably it was pretty because it was like a the horizon was like brown obviously because like mm-hmm. the sand is brown but like, like a little and then like near the near the edge of the horizon it was like slightly more goldish and then there's just like this white line where there's like this light is starting to come off and the like the little hemi- hemisphere of the sun it's really pretty like yeah yeah so like that's i saw that and i was like oh my gosh is this how like like the imagery that is going on in Doom. I was like, I don't I mean, understand. imagine having a view of an unobstructed sunrise. Cause you know, yeah. we don't because we're, we live in a city where, you know, there's houses. buildings and houses and, you know, imagine you're in the middle of a prairie or in the middle of the desert mm-hmm. and just kind of looking, looking you out, see that white, looking like out east. White yeah. And like, we seeing, can't even yeah. see the stars anymore. Oh yeah. Cause of the light pollution. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, someone uh, was like, someone's like, can you see the stars like Houston? And I just laughed. <laughs> <laughs> what stars? What are stars again? You know, yeah, yeah stars like, like yeah what, what we're gonna stars? star deniers in no time guys it's honestly like, yeah the only absolutely. stars i see is when people beat me up <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh <okay. no>. yeah <laughs> yeah but no no stars in houston nope nope, nope guys there's no okay but oh uh, coming back from la um and the plane right i was just like traveling on a plane and every so often i looked out the window because i finally reserved a window seat this time oh, oh okay wow i know <laughs> mr I, I window mean, seat you're so special i prefer aisle if i need to get out i can really? stretch my legs in i wanted the to aisle. take a i want to take a video so like i want i took god window seat this time i see so like i looked out and i was like wait we need to see some like great sight and all i saw for like the entire trip was just desert until we actually landed in houston so i was just like wait a second a quarter of the u.s is just desert like oh on that plane trip, I started to appreciate just like how nice like trees and clouds were because I saw like the sun's scorching heat just like warming the desert ground. Mm-hmm. Everything was like so bright. And then that one little patch of cloud, just like that one little patch of shade on the ground. I was like, wow, like that's a pretty dark piece of shade right now. And uh-huh. I stare at it. I was like, wow, I really like, I, I don't, I can't understand like how it is just like burn down there for the entire day and like just have that one cloud pass you over an entire day yeah, like, it's that's a, a nice piece of brief shape. respite yeah i mean first of all io gang all the way 
Second of all, did you go over Arizona and stuff? Is yeah, that why? It's like New Mexico, oh. Arizona. It was awesome. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously, you're going to only see desert. Yeah, if I you mean, go through Colorado, you're going to see a bunch yeah, of Yeah, I mean, it's literally all desert towards, like, the, the Sun Belt and, like, to the you're west. Right. I mean, it's just, well, you got California, which is a desert. You got Nevada, yeah. uh, Arizona, um, New Mexico, of course, and West Texas, which is all desert. Yeah, I was, I was like, yeah so. Like, we're approaching Texas. I was looking for the trees. I was like, there's no trees, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what trees? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think Houston is more of like a plain area. Right? Yeah, yeah, Houston so like, is more of a plain area. Yeah. It started turning green to ground. I was like, oh my gosh, is that green on the ground? <laughs> yeah, it's a color you haven't seen in forever, especially you know being in California for a while. I know. So, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I was. I just remember I was driving to San Diego, um, and then from LA, and I just like couldn't. It's just all brown. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw so many shades of brown, guys. I'm gonna be like yeah. the brown painter now. 50 yeah, it makes shades me, of brown. <laughs> yeah. It makes me makes me appreciate Houston's, you know, natural vegetation. Even though there's yeah. not a lot, at least you know, you drive down the neighborhood and you'd see it's green, not brown. Not trees. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and especially because we get quite a bit of rainfall, at least so mm-hmm. compared to Cali. RV. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also we live somewhat closer to the Gulf of Mexico than El yep. Paso, less per, per se. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's it's nice. Yeah, I can appreciate that. Well, I mean, the sun giveth and it taketh away, and yeah. without the sun, there wouldn't be life on Earth. But at the same time, it's trying its best to kill us through solar flares and UV radiation. That's yeah, mm-hmm. and die. Uh, well, I mean, eventually the radiation can cause skin cancer, which I guess isn't as deadly as other cancers, but it, it's still pretty yeah. fatal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. cancer's I'm bad. a sunscreen convert now. I want to wear sunscreen if I go out for extended periods. Dude, I wear sunscreen a lot now. I know. I used to, uh, you know, play tennis without wearing sunscreen, and now I have to wear sunscreen. Yeah, because... Mm-hmm. Bro, um, I was just like, I'm not white. I have color on my skin. I don't need sunscreen. And I got sunburned. I was like, now I'm sunscreen convert. <laughs> yeah, don't get sunburned, <laughs> especially in California. You know, the sun never stops. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. So now we get to my quote, which is, but there's desperation in the people of this desert. She thought, I felt some of it myself today. Desperate people might kill us for our water. Okay. <laughs> so I believe that this is a form of foreshadowing. And my theory California, is that... anyone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nolan's so desperate. You know, he came back to Houston, drank 10 gallons <laughs> of water. Yeah. I haven't seen water. No, I landed. I saw like rain fall on the ground. I was like, oh my God, I haven't seen this in three weeks. <laughs> oh my. Oh, yeah, it never rains. No, but when it rains in Houston, sometimes it's like a freaking flood. Like it pours. So much yeah. Water. yeah, it pours. Yeah. yeah, it pours. Okay, so back to my theory. <laughs> so my theory is that when they meet the Fremen, they won't be as helpful as they would have hoped. And instead, they're going to have to sort of prove themselves, like how they prove themselves to kind. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's really foreboding. Um, it reminds me of that, you know, the wild animal backed up against the corner is the scariest, right? Because, mm-hmm. but I mean, in this case, the Fremen aren't necessarily backed up against the corner, but they're very threatened um, by the Harkonnens, right? And they're also pretty suspicious of the Atreides still, I'm sure. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and even though Kynes promised the Fremen help, he's not there to prove it because Kynes is captured, right? So... I think Paul and Jessica probably will have to go through something to prove their trustworthiness to the Fremen. Um, yeah, like some ritual. Under- yeah. yeah, like how I understand it, the Fremen are kind of like multiple tribes. And who is to say that kind of like the leader of all the tribes? Like from so far out in the desert, like there's a certain point where like Kai's authority probably weakens significantly. And now that he's not around, it's definitely like his word doesn't carry if he's not there, especially if it's like the like the anarchical system that we believe the Fremen society is. 
mm-hmm. anarchical? Isn't like, it more like, patriarchal? I mean, like, like, oh, like in terms of government, like, yeah, the fit is going to lead, you know, and like, if Kainz is not there, that means someone else should step in and we don't know the next person will like approve them either. Mm. I see. I see. But it's, I mean, I don't even know if it's like an anarchist type of government, though, because I I mean, because anarchist is more like, um, more like there's no ruler. I feel like, yeah, they, they pick whoever's most fit and kind of submit. Yeah. Uh, I think it's more of like a monarchy. But the the monarch is the strongest, and without it, I feel at least we haven't gotten a hint of a you know a legislative or or um, voting process. Yeah, right, they so. don't. They probably don't have lawyers. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, with how they go, like your water is ours now. It's like, I'm sure they, they're just paying yeah. water. It's like yeah, the the judge rewarded Fremen uh, two two gallons of water for you know <laughs> for in this damages. Is yeah, rights guys. Oh, so that's how, that's how they do civil cases in in the desert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. But yeah, so I mean, so I mean. I also wanted to point out Jessica is still mourning Lido in this, um, even at these inopportune moments. How much uh, remember Caladan that vacation? Yeah, I mean she's remembering this fly flyover of Caladan, and it's interesting that Herbert chooses these kinds of moments to interject Jessica's kind of sorrow into because it's also always written pretty similarly as previously. Um, the style Herbert writes this is always kind of the same with i guess a memory of her and leto right and ending with something along the lines of like all of it gone or all gone i, I feel like this is not the first time we've seen something like this right so mm-hmm. yeah so i just thought it was really interesting that herbert decides to kind of put it here because at this point i thought jessica would be more you know focused on i feel i thought she had moved on because we haven't heard That's a mention true. of it for a chapter or two right but i mean i think I think that what Herbert is trying to get at is that this is a kind of a permanent wound in Jessica. So no matter kind of what happens, she'll never fully be able to recover from Leto's death um, is what, at least is kind of my interpretation. Yeah. Do keep in mind that like grief is like, you know, you can't control grief. It comes in like its own time, you know, so you can't always expect it. And I heard from a lot of the college people, like, as for homesickness, like everyone's like, oh my gosh, you'll be homesick like the first couple of weeks you'll be away from home. But like the people like in college, they told us that like homesickness comes at the most random time. Like when you're reminded of your parents at like some random thing, then you actually feel homesick. Like you could be like in your junior year of college, and you'll still feel homesick, you know? Mm-hmm. That's a hundred percent true. I when yeah, I'm out out of the house, I almost never feel homesick. Me too. Except except like I actually just take the opportunity as a way to like be more independent. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, the only time I feel homesick is like when I'm super tired. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of people calling their parents. I was like, guys, what are y'all calling them for? Like, you're gonna see them again. But they're like, yeah. there's like those moments where like when you're just like there and like you're just taking, you're sitting down, you have nothing else to do, yeah. and then you just see something. It's like, oh my gosh, or like, or like you're just wondering like how your family is doing. It's like I hope they're doing yeah. fine. You know I what mean, I mean? Yeah. I mean, when I went to Michigan, I had to call my parents every day, but it's not like. It's just, you know, one call. I'm not, like, constantly. Like, yeah. <laughs> my dad's like, hi. And I was like, Yeah, I, I don't, like, want to... I don't want to be, like, super clingy to my family and just be, like, Same. oh. Yeah, it's yeah. important to kind of learn how to be independent. Yeah, be independent, right. Yeah, and kind of deal with your own issues, too. Because, you know, family is family, but they won't be there for you always. Yeah. Right. Oh, I just can't talk to my... I don't know what to say on the phone to my dad. They're always asking, like, do you have the food? Like, do you have you have you gotten sleep? I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's <laughs> Have good. you gotten like, your okay. sleep, though, Nolan? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. 4 a.m. Yeah, Y'all, I usually sleep to 2 a.m. Okay, and I wake up at 8. <laughs> 2 a.m. isn't much better, bro. <laughs> yeah, you, I don't know how. Okay, you, I guess six hours. Though. I guess how six do hours. you how do you sit through a day of SAT prep and 
I didn't. I didn't. And, and, uh, and well, uh, most of it was hours. useless, right? Oh uh, yeah, the SAT part was mid to be honest. Yeah. Uh, she was focusing on getting like twelve hundred people to fourteen hundred. Oh, okay. she was like, that's like a hard most. Questions. That's most programs. Bro, so. how are people with twelve hundreds getting into the USC Bovard program? Uh, okay, I'm gonna admit there was lower lower scores on a lot of tests that I I was gonna initially expect, but even without it, like if you look at them without like such things. Uh, oh still right because they like, won a variety right right, right. yeah so yeah. they're all they're still very, very good qualified. in certain areas right, right, Yo, right, right. i'm in a pokemon international master at the like oh pokemon, like, like some guy, yeah, some pokemon. guy is going to london for the international pokemon world championship oh like, in August, bro. Like, i don't understand i was like there's Wait, a people we can, we can put that on your resume yeah that's 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 uh... okay well i'm gonna put my um Intern or national placement in Clash of Clans, national placement in Brawl Stars, national no, no, like, placement in like other no, games. Like, he's got sponsored by like by like organizations to go to play in local Jeez. and like regional and like Dang. international. That's like, crazy. Yeah, that is actually pretty crazy. And I met it's like, like a professional game sponsored by um by um who was it uh by Immortals, the esports team for Wild Rift for League of Legends mobile game. I was oh, like, what? Yeah, what? yeah, you meet you meet all kinds of people. Oh, wow. I mean, I don't play League of Legends, but that sounds impressive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> same, got, same here. Yeah. It was like, y'all, like, what, like, what have y'all been doing? Like, I don't understand. Like, like, y'all took gaming to the next level. I wish I was able to do that when I gamed, you know? <laughs> yeah, bro, I could never do that because my Wi-Fi is terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm actually not that good at League of Legends, even for all the times I've played so far. Like, I've, <laughs> <laughs> I dedicated so much time to that game, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, okay, let's, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's go is, back to League is a deep hole. Yeah. Wait, have you seen that Daps video where he's just like first League of Legends player ever to touch grass? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yo, I touched grass this three weeks. Guys. Oh, okay. That's Congratulations. That's impressive. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So back to the book, and we get to my quote. So. Jessica's like staring out to desert and she says this. So like she nodded, continuing to stare across the desert. Where the warm had passed, there remained a tantalizing gap. It flowed bitterly endless before them, beckoning beneath this horizontal collapse of skyline. So I chose this quote because to me, it seems like the challenge of crossing the sands alone is like a metaphor of Paul and Jessica being able to face the impossible challenge ahead of them to survive, right? They're mm-hmm. waiting for like that perfect timing, like those casino games, you know, where like it's scrolling and you have to pull the lever when it passes over the sweet spot. However, it's also like so easy to misjudge because you don't actually have a read on the speed. And you don't have like a perfect accuracy in the timing on the pull, you know. So like the prize continues to tempt you to want to give it a try. Every opening you get though, you have like the pressure of like, is this the right moment? And if you let it go and then you're like constantly wondering like, was that like the best I was ever going to get? That's like that's just like the type of thing that like I'm getting at here where like Jessica's like staring at the gap of the warm passing by and be like, is this the moment to go? Or is like is this the moment to just like let it pass and wait for a better moment? Just like this gamble like endlessly in their entire existence on this Arrakis planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I well I think that's the reason gambling addicts just can't quit. It's, yeah. it's like, <laughs> like that feeling of like, it's it's just feeling of what if that yeah. keeps them on edge and if they somehow do manage to win, that feeling is just indescribably good. Yeah, but you know it can't last because house always wins. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would know because I have a gotcha addiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, firsthand, firsthand experience. <laughs> Fillmore's like in four years recovering from a has got gotcha anonymous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> attending oh meetings. God. Yeah, like I Genshin? spent too much money. <laughs> is that on Genshin or is that another game? It's like a, a, multiple games. I hey, okay, Fillmore. <laughs> okay, yeah. Anyways, Yo. that's why you're getting a job, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, 
can feel to the feel well. my addiction. <laughs> feel your addiction. <laughs> well, I've been getting. Uh, I've been trying to get off of it, to be honest. Yeah. Fair. Good. 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 Okay. Okay. So another interesting word that popped up in this later bit of this chapter is this word bindu nervature. So they mentioned bindu suspension before. Mm-hmm. So how I kind of see this is like something similar to what I think of like the lymphatic system. It's just like a section of nerves, I guess, that run across the body that controls in this case, one's organs and consciousness. It's like bindu suspension could do that. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's like probably just something controlling the nervous system and, being attuned to how the brain sends signals in different parts of your body and being able to feel kind of the passage of electricity and all that stuff, right? And kind of leveraging that to better control yourself. I think that's kind of probably what Bindu Nervature is. Yeah. yeah probably the network know. of network of, you know, nerves around your body, which is like just the, the nervous system. Yeah. Yeah, but hey, you know, we here we see that Jessica actually acknowledges that Paul has a lot more skill than her in control of his body. And this kind of brings up the question, right? Because like, Jessica's still offering to like go do training with him to train him. But then like, does your teacher or like your trainer always have to be smarter or better than you in whatever you're doing? Because I know like in school, at least we prefer professors who like are much like no more than you. But in cases like Olympics, right? Where like the athlete is obviously the more athletic one. Does that mean like their trainer is like, what, what qualifies a trainer in that scenario? Yeah. Um. Well, I'm sure trainers is just their extensive knowledge because with games, I know there's a lot of co- coaches for like games, like maybe mm-hmm. for Apex or like Fortnite or something. Yeah. They have trainers and some of them aren't good at the game, but they just have good game sense. They Because they study the game so much, they just know what to do better than the player does. Mm-hmm. I mean, because... I mean, there's like a similar situation in League of Legends, but for me, what oh, I hear is that a lot of bad guys, so like the pro players, kidding, like complain that the coaches don't get it. You know, doesn't like the coaches be like statistically, this is the best item and this is the best thing to do at this time. But you the can't. Players just like, you know. The players oh, yeah, just like doesn't the players, feel right, you know. Yeah, because the players, most of the ga- most of the gameplay that players do is kind of through emotion and like yeah. muscle memory. Yeah, and, and quick the thinking. coach's job is to just keep a cool head and keep the player on the right track. So yeah, it's and... like emotion versus just reason, yeah. I guess. Yeah. It's a right. fine balance, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Honestly, I think Paul kind of is overpowered already, even though we're about halfway through the book. But <laughs> I mean, I don't think your teacher always has to be better than you on a purely quantitative level, you know. So if you could quantitatively, you know, gauge results, I mean I'm sure the best tennis player can defeat his coach, you know, every single time. Right. But, but I think your teacher should have more experience than you, or at least have something to offer. In my opinion, anyone that can offer an improvement to your skills can be called your teacher. Yeah. Cause they taught you something. Yeah. That's a good way of seeing it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think, I mean, Jessica is a fully fledged Bene Gesserit and, uh, and she definitely has something to offer Paul. So yes, Jessica in this scenario, yes, Jessica is Paul's teacher. Yeah. I'm just glad that Paul can still get stronger instead of him being at his peak this early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, yeah. I saw this and I was like, eh, like this isn't Paul at his best. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's kind of boring if he's too strong because every challenge he faces just isn't going to be a challenge at all. Right. It's yeah, it's good. I mean, yeah, he's he's way stronger than I would have imagined at this stage in a book, but I still I still think there's plenty of room for growth and you know, it's it's the ceiling that matters. Yeah. So here at the very end of the chapter, I also just really like Paul's internal monologue that shows 
I guess how dunk he is with his training. So I know we just complimented Jessica and be like, oh yeah, a teacher doesn't yeah, be better than now you. Now we have to. But get <laughs> we bad see at Paul's Paul. perspective, yeah. guys. He's goes like review of the hand. He looked at his hand. How inadequate it appeared when measured against such creatures as that worm. So here we just see like Paul be like, bro, like this hand is not gonna do anything as a big worm. It's like kind of reminded me of like that time in school like a long time ago sitting in that pre-algebra class talking with the people around me and then some of the kids are just like i don't understand how this will ever help me in life you know it's like <laughs> those moments complaining mm-hmm. yeah no, honestly i when it's like when you compare yourself right mm-hmm. like at my school there's kids who are like six foot six and it makes me feel terrible terrible about my height but uh-huh. yeah i guess learning like- to accept yourself is pretty important as well yeah uh-huh. i agree i agree but i mean jessica is right paul needs to work on his emotional game i mean given the events of this chapter and <laughs> how he lost guy. it yeah he kind of lost his mind for a second there i mean every especially when jessica was buried every oxygen second mattered so he couldn't really afford that right but uh-huh. i mean working on his emotions is probably the clearest way for him to improve kind of building his experience because Considering yeah. he already has all these calculation abilities, he just needs more experience in this field to control himself. I think he he will uh, he will do quite well. You know, I think. Yeah, I yeah, see so. a lot of potential in him. Mm-hmm. Me right. too. He just needs to experience yeah. to not like this to not like yeah. get flustered. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So I mean, Paul. You know, character growth. That's great. Uh yeah. So that's that's good to have, and 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 it'll of course keep continuing in the next few chapters. Yep. Right. So, but speaking of next few chapters, um, I believe that concludes the discussion for this episode of the Dune Not Enter podcast. Make sure to read to the end of chapter twenty-eight and Dune in full next chapter. time when we discuss it. I know, right? Full chapter. We've been breaking things <laughs> up, but yeah, we'll try well, to I mean, get these back. These chapters to you. are really long. Yeah, they've been pretty long, and we still want to, you know, give it the full treatment. So, yeah. But as always, thanks to all of you listeners for being patient with us and being interested in our thoughts. Follow us on Instagram at do not enter, Reddit use slash do not enter, Twitter at do not enter, and email us at do not enter at gmail.com. That is D U N E N O T E N T E R at gmail.com. Please contact us with questions, feedback, or I dare say, oh, I forgot whose turn is it this week because it's been a while. <laughs> but it's probably my turn to be honest. Okay, yeah, all, right. all right. All uh, right. Rektion Curves. Uh, okay, <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, so. Uh, if we made any mistakes, don't hesitate to let us know. We definitely made a lot of scientific <laughs> mistakes today. So, you know, scientists, you know, don't kill us, please. <laughs> We're just high schoolers. But yeah, yeah so <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so we would love to hear, you know, any any feedback. Um, that would be really great. Um, please give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. It only takes a few seconds of your time to make an account. And, of course, go to our show and click the five-star button because it's the only one that exists. And also leave a sure. nice comment or two for us to read. Um, we really appreciate any feedback that can help us improve our show. Um, but uh, it also helps let us know that we're doing a good job and motivates us to keep creating content and also moves us up the charts uh, to get our podcast to a wider audience of viewers. I mean, audience of listeners. Yeah. So otherwise, I think that's about it. So have a great week and we will see you all back very soon. See you guys. Bye, guys.